0: This is Make it kind. M.I.P. with
2: Massimella my Matsumo, my Mark Thompson, Make it kind. Get Woke. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest has over 20 years of grassroots organizing experience. He actually succeeded our friend Nina Turner as the head of our revolution in twenty. 20- 19 he is the executive director now uh, he's worked in uh, the fight for 15 and many other very important campaigns please welcome now to make it plain joseph Givargis. joseph how are you buddy
1: i am well brother it's good to be with you reverend
2: it's, it's good to have you with us so man uh i live in new york i don't understand what's going on so we've invited you To explain to the whole world what's going on in New York. Only you can do that. So
1: (laughs) take take, take it away. Well, what's what's happening? I can't speak about the uh, incompetence of the Board of Elections, Uh, but I can say that, you know, look, I think it's exciting that we're using ranked choice voting in this moment. It's a much more democratic way to elect uh, our officials. And, you know, I think what this process shows is that progressives are doing well in New York. Rev, I think the top line from New York is, you know, progressives did incredibly well uh, at the top of the ticket citywide. You know, when you think about Brad Lander. Uh, taking out an establishment, you know, uh, former council speaker. You've got Jumani Williams, who blew it out of the water. Um, and then you've got a new bench of progressives on the city council and uh, like Tiffany Caban. And even if Eric Adams becomes mayor, he's going to have to contend with a much more progressive political movement in the city. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, you all endorse Maya Wiley, correct? That's right. So as it stands, um, I mean, the election still isn't resolved. Right. And, And she still she still her name is still in the game, isn't it?
1: She is still in the game. And, you know, I think the main thing with Maya's race is, you know, her surge happened a little bit too late. And I think that is a reflection of the. Progressive movement failing to coalesce early enough behind her candidacy. You know, there was a lot of support for Morales early on, there was a lot of support for Stringer, but both of those campaigns, you know, uh, self destructed in some ways. And unfortunately, you know, if even we had two weeks a month lead time. I think we could have made a much more significant difference in Maya's race. She's not out of the game, but I think we could have uh, had her finish much stronger if the progressive movement had united earlier. So
2: you really think that the ranked choice voting has done well in terms of what it was designed to do. I mean, there's still a lot of New Yorkers who are very confused by it and we won't know until the final tally is in what, role it might have played in in any of this that's too early to tell but but you and as someone who's a progressive myself and has always been an advocate of proportional representation of things like that being here in new york um i heard a different side um there were those who really had a lot of concerns about ranked choice voting and were very confused by it and and they almost convinced me, so maybe this is too soon. Maybe should people should have been more knowledgeable. Maybe should people know all the stakes. But give us your perspective, Joseph. You, you think it's been okay?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, our goal as progressives and our path to winning as progressives um, is to expand the electorate and give them as many uh, opportunities to make their voice heard as possible. And so, as part of a suite of democracy reforms, ranked choice voting is a way that we've seen in other jurisdictions that has helped uh, put progressives in power. Is it complicated? Yes. Are there multiple rounds? Yes. Do we need to do a better job as organizers educating people on how the process works? How to, you know, rank people. Yes, we got to do all that. But that being said, in the places where it's been utilized, progressives have come out on top. We just this year uh, flipped the St. Louis City Council, meaning made it a much more progressive city council. And that was due to rank choice voting. A lot of progressives were uh, didn't necessarily, you know, they were in tight first place races, but they prevailed, uh, you know, During the second and third round, same thing in San Francisco, Chesa Boudin, who is one of the most progressive DAs in in the country, he won in 2019 because of ranked choice voting. So a lot of the progressives that you're starting to see on the national stage are getting there because we have reforms like ranked choice voting. The binary system by itself tends to, you know, one round sometimes tends to favor the establishment. Yeah, yeah.
2: Tell us about how Maya came to be the the real progressive candidate and the candidate for, for our revolution.
1: Well, you know, the truth is our folks were divided early on and there was a lot of energy f- for Morales, but it dissipated and it dissipated in the face of what seemed like hypocrisy, right? You had a candidate talking the talk, but not quite walking the walk. Right, right. Scott Stringer. Progressive track record, but again, got hampered by, you know, accusations that came up that were inconsistent with progressive values. And so with Maya, you had someone who was running an incredibly progressive campaign, progressive messaging. And then the other part that I think is important is her campaign was incredibly competent, right? And you've got to have both in order to win, right? As progressives, we have our idealism. Right. We have a message that I think resonates, but the only way to win is you got to marry the message with a winning strategic campaign. And that's what Maya bought to the table brought to the table. And that's why our members ultimately decided that they were going to recommend that our members in New York vote for Maya number one um, and didn't offer a number two choice.
2: Yeah. So now that's interesting. So people voted for her number one. Yes. And not a number two. But but so did members vote that way as well? Or did they actually end up ranking them? Because I know you could have endorsed a one or two or three. But in terms of voting, do you know how people, how many our revolution folk actually voted for a two and three on the ballot? Do we have any idea of that?
1: Well, in the actual election itself? Yes. uh, We don't know that.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, but so what do you think about that? Because there are, there are some um, who are suggesting that it, it really undermines the new system of ranked choice voting if you only vote for one person. How do you feel about that? And, and we don't know if anybody did on your side, but we know some people did somewhere. What, what are your thoughts about that and, and people who just maybe voted for one person? Did that, does, does that hurt? that particular voter not to put a full array of choices on their own behalf? Does it disproportionately benefit any candidates? What do you, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I think it, it hurts the voter in terms of having their voice fully heard, right? right? I mean, if you pick one person, your voice only counts once. If you do rank, you have more opportunities, right? To have your voice counted in the process. So, you know, that being said, you've got to have a viable second, third, and fourth choice. And unfortunately for progressives in this race, I'm not sure we did. Um, when you looked at, you know, you had Maya Wiley, and then you had two other candidates who didn't do well. But imagine if those votes had all consolidated behind Maya. It would have been, a, you know, a much more significant uh, lead for the sister. Right, right.
2: More MIP after this message. What up, y'all? It's Torre, author of I Would Die For You Why Prince Became an Icon. Check out Who Was Prince, an epic eight episode podcast about Prince, where we talk to his girlfriends, his musicians, his engineers, his managers, all sorts of people who were close to him to find out who he really was. Follow Who Was Prince, wherever fine podcasts are streamed. If, for example, those who voted for either Adams or Garcia, if they had Myers their second, she ought to be sitting pretty well right now. No, that's right. And that's what we don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: what we don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, mean, that's, I think, what we would hope uh, in a situation like this. And you're right. She did surge. Yes. I mean my gut tells me that whoever Maya whoever was not didn't pick Maya first probably very likely picked Maya second or third. I would be surprised if that was not the case. Wouldn't you be surprised? Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. And you're right, she ran a good campaign. No controversy. Yes. You know, it was it was tight. So it's not as if she had no negatives come up during the campaign. Uh, as, other, as you mentioned, some of the other candidates that did. Um, so this thing really isn't over yet, is it?
1: No, it's definitely not over, you know, but again, it's uh, it's not over and it's, we're just talking about the mayor, um, but we've got a powerful progressive city council, That's right, you said that, an right. incredibly progressive public advocate, who's you know going to be a check on whoever the mayor is. We've got a controller that is going to use the power of the purse. Progressive policies, you know. So overall, I think it's good. I think Maya's still in the race, uh, but no matter how it ends, I think we can say that you know the mainstream media's analysis that you know Eric Adams uh, ran away with this and this is some kind of referendum on moderates versus progressives uh, momentum around the country is not accurate because if you look beneath that headline, progressives did amazingly well. And I think uh, moderates in the country should be concerned.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So here's the question. I think everybody wants to hear you explain if you can. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Sure. Where are we in the process? What's next? When will we know the answer, Joseph?
1: You tell me, brother. That's, uh, <laughs> I think that is the million dollar question. Yeah. When will... Uh, you know, and look, there's a lot of uh, administrative errors in this process. I think, unfortunately, because of those administrative areas, we're going to see litigation and, you know, this may get drawn out. And look, unfortunately, this is, again, ranked choice voting is democracy enhancing. It gives uh, we the people more power, more say. It's unfortunate that we bungled it in New York City, this first rollout, Because it, you know, you see people like Trump and others start pointing to, look, there's voter irregularities, you know, in New York and every place else. And it feeds that false narrative that we can't stand on the integrity of our electoral system, which is problematic because, you know, the other side primarily wants to suppress the vote vote and limit our access to power at the ballot. And, uh, you know, the debacle in New York, even though Republicans have nothing to do in New York, really have no muscle to flex. Right. They're going to use that as an example of Democratic incompetence in terms of administering elections. And it's going to give Republicans more fuel in their voter suppression efforts around the country. That isn't the unfortunate takeaway, I think, from this situation. Not that ranked choice voting is bad. Right, right, right. and. And, and we
2: know national Republicans will use it even where local Republicans can't. Uh, be remiss about and ask about uh, Nina Turner's race. She seems to be doing well. Uh, Nina
1: you, Turner, know? yes. Uh, and, you know, Rev, I think, uh, sig- you know, how do we know she's doing well? We know she's doing well when Hillary Clinton comes out and endorses her opponent. We know that Sister Nina Turner's doing well when Jim Clyburn, yesterday, right? Uh, put his stamp of approval behind Nina's opponent, right? You've got the entire establishment trying to consolidate behind Chantel Brown um, and stop Nina from getting to the US House. And I think that shows her momentum and that's a good sign. Now, that being said, we have to keep being disciplined on the doors, on the phones, going into this home stretch. You know, voting is a little over a month away. The election is a little bit uh, over a month away and early voting starts on July 7th. So, you know, the contest is on. Nina is strong in terms of fundraising. Our experience on the doors and the phones, our members who are canvassing have been incredibly, it's been incredibly positive. I think there is a lot of grassroots support for her. I think she's positioned to win. And then The test question here is, can the establishment in this moment organize itself to stop her? And I think that's what you're beginning to see with these elites outside of Ohio beginning to weigh in.
2: Tell us what else our revolution is taking on these days.
1: Well, you know, we are really grounded in a mission of organizing around electing progressive champions around the country, up and down the ballot. Um, You know, we came out of Bernie's 2016 presidential run. A lot of people think, you know, we're just organization that's all around Bernie. But the truth is, we're an organization that's all around Bernie's vision of electing as many progressive champions as possible up and down the ballot all around the country. And so this year, we've elected over 100 progressive champions in 2021 and off year. And, you know, those range from school board members in Oregon to city councilors uh, in St. Louis, Joliet, Illinois, district attorney candidates like Larry Krasner. So our groups have been very focused on electing progressive champions in this off year when you know elections aren't necessarily front and center. There are a lot of important down battle elections. That's one thing our our folks have been doing around the country. Second thing is focused on advancing progressive policy both in Washington at the local level. In Washington, we're really nailed, we're really focused on getting our progressive policy priorities passed. We've got really two shots at the apple on Capitol Hill to make sure that Joe Biden and establishment Democrats deliver on their promises. You know, they promised to expand Medicare. They promised to address the the climate crisis, even though they didn't go as far as Medicare for all or the Green New Deal, there's still very transformational things that they can do this summer that would make an impact on the lives of people. So, you know, what we're focused on is making sure Democrats deliver on Medicare expansion, right? We've got the reconciliation bill and the infrastructure bill, two bites at the apple. And look, if we can lower the Medicare age to 60, millions of people, will have more access to healthcare. If we can uh, make sure seniors have access to vision, dental, hearing benefits, that's more healthcare. If we can get the US government to negotiate with big pharma, we can get affordable drugs for millions and millions of people. That is doable and Democrats ran on it and we're gonna hold them you know, hold their feet to the fire on delivering. In terms of the climate, we just did a massive rally yesterday on Capitol Hill. For us, the red line is continued support of the U.S. government for the extraction of fossil fuels, right, I mean, if you think about root causes, right, and that's what, you know, as radicals, we're trying to get as, right, radical means the root, right, we're trying to get at the root causes of problems. For us, it's the extraction of fossil fuels, a continuous outflowing of oil and gas, and the fact that the U.S. government spends billions of dollars bankrolling Exxon and other companies to do it. And, you know, look at the only way to get out of this mess is we stop bankrolling it. We stop incentivizing continued drilling, continuing laying of pipes around the country. And so we have a shot in this infrastructure bill and or the budget reconciliation bill to get the US government to say no more money for these dirty industries. I think keeping it in the ground uh, is something that could be transformational. Um, and we're organizing to win that. The other thing that we're doing, Rev, uh, in addition, uh, electing progressive champions up and down the ballot, fighting for our top progressive par- priorities is also working within the Democratic Party to make it much more progressive. And we have activists all around the country from Baltimore, Maryland to California who are running for key party positions. And that's important because in our you know two party system, a party really does control access to who can represent us on the ballot. And so that's another thing that we've been focused on as well.
2: Yeah, and it's also very local too. Yeah, that's, you know, there's always a lot of focus on the national party committee, but folks, it is Joseph is right. It's what I keep stressing. Politics is local. The struggle is local. uh, And people need to be aware of that. More M.I.P. after this message. What grade, if any, uh, is our revolution giving uh, Joe Biden so far?
1: So I think it's probably premature to grade him, meaning we've got uh two opportunities, maybe three, but at least two opportunities for him to deliver. Has he delivered on his core promises to improve the standard of living of Americans? Not yet. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't have a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage. We don't have more health care for people. We don't have uh a- and of Pollute, you know, polluting industries, right? Curbs uh, on polluting industries. He has not yet delivered on improving the material conditions of the American people, I would argue. Has he helped make sure the uh, ravages of the pandemic are the edges are softened? Yes, right? But in terms of transformational change, we haven't seen it yet. And he's got two opportunities to do it. We have this infrastructure bill. And the problem with that is they're negotiating the infrastructure bill uh, with Republicans. And to get to a bipartisan deal, that means a lot of our progressive priorities get tossed to the side. That being said, we then have the reconciliation bill. Mm -hmm. And we need the president and we need Democrats to really hold the line on making sure whatever is not in the infrastructure bill makes it into the budget reconciliation bill. And so that's where I think the test for Biden will be, right? Right. Are people going to have more healthcare or not? We're going to know out of that reconciliation bill, are people's wages going to go up? Are there going to be more jobs or less? So the critical test for this presidency will be this summer. And then the final test is going to be whether we can overcome the filibuster threat, right? And, you know, right now it doesn't look like we can, but... If the president uses the power of the bully pulpit, if the president takes a you know a, a page out of the Republican playbook, we could amend the rules in the Senate. We could empower Kamala Harris to be a deal breaker, right? I mean, I mean a deal maker and cast the deciding vote. Um, but the president's got to act, and there's a lot of pieces of legislation that will that are not germane to the budget. That we'll need to get around the filibuster to pass. So, you know, it's a critical moment for Joe Biden. You know, he talked a good talk. Right. He adopted a lot of the things that Bernie Sanders campaigned on and that our movement supports, but he has yet to deliver. And that's going to be crucial, uh, not just for his legacy, whether he decides to run again in 2024 or not, but. It's going to matter for Democrats in the midterms, you know, and if Republicans are going to be able to campaign on, look, he made a lot of promises and none of them were kept, I think, you know, we're going to have a problem, uh, you know, uh, in the midterms. And we have, we may be at risk of losing uh, our, you know, control of the House and the Senate and then ultimately in 2024, the presidency.
2: Yeah. Would you advocate Bernie running again, whether Joe runs again or not?
1: We need to look. Yes, we need. I would argue that part of the way the progressive movement has advanced is by challenging the establishment, not saying, you know, not allowing people to say, oh, it's my turn. Right. Right. I'm up. Um, I advocate. Yeah, I would encourage uh, any progressive standard bearer to take it up. And we've got to, you know, because we will advance our movement by holding those in power accountable to what they said they would deliver. And look, if Joe Biden fails to deliver and he runs again, yeah, no, I think there should be a challenge from the left. Okay,
2: all right. Well, we shall see, we shall also see what happens with the New York mayoral race. Um, great conversation, folks. And check out Our Revolution uh, as well. With the website, ourrevolution.org.com. Dot .com. Dot .com, I'm sorry, ourrevolution.com. Yeah. yeah, man, well, let's keep in touch and, uh, Good luck to Nina Turner uh, as uh, as well. Um, I had advocated that if Bernie had won the nomination, he should have made Nina his running mate. Uh, But if she makes the Congress, who knows what might happen?
1: Um, That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Our goal is to put progressives like uh, Nina Turner on a path to power. Right. That's how we're going to realize the world we want to live in. Absolutely. So
2: I pronounced it right the first time. Let me see if I remember to do it the second time. Joseph G. Varghese. Is that, did I get it? Uh, Harji G. Varghese. G. Both Harjis. Got it. I'm sorry. Yeah. We are in the club of white beard. We are Joseph and myself, which is not about age, it's about wisdom. Wisdom. That's right. All right. Am I right? That's right about that. So uh, good to talk to you, buddy. Ourrevolution.com. Let's we'll see what happens in this mayoral Race in New York. we going to continue to be a cliffhanger. We'll see what happens. Thank you, Joseph.